All movements start with a question. Does the story I've been told still make sense to me? Or will I write my own? Join Tara and Joe as they question assumptions, think about ideas, and explore what it means to create your life from the inside out. Welcome everyone. I am thrilled to be sitting here next to one of my favorite people, aside from my husband, not not my husband this time. Um, One of my favorite people who um, has brought so much insight and knowledge and joy and fun and laughter to my life. And I'm so excited to bring her to you. I'm here with Patty McLean, who is a, I know her as a fellow oiler, a teen empowerment coach, a incredible human being on this journey with me who has a background in education. I'll let her fill you in a little bit more on her credentials, but I just know her as as being someone who has dug through the layers, kind of worked through different aspects as we've grown together, and I'm thrilled to bring you this conversation as we dig into joy a little bit and what it means to bring joy into our lives in this current state of the world. So Patty, do you want to give us a little bit more background? I think you covered most of it, but I'm (laughs) I'm excited to be here because I um, think these conversations are so important and I never really knew until I started spending time with you and Joe that the importance of the philosophy piece. So of course I listened to the podcast and the whole idea of uh, above, down, inside, out has really guided me for so long, but I I didn't know how to talk about it in such a way that made sense to other people. So um, I my background is in education. I'm a public education success story, um, but it really had so much to do with the people and not the systems because I had amazing teachers who really saw my potential and communicated that and supported me not just academically but socially and emotionally. So the social emotional piece has always been my driving force. So when I chose to leave the traditional classroom, uh, I still teach, but I love that I get to teach people in in new ways and make that the focus because I think that Obviously, the curriculum's important, but there's so many people who need tools that allow them to thrive in and out of the classroom. And so doing the work and sort of pioneering it firsthand has given me a really unique perspective to to help other people understand that they have so many more choices. And I know that that's really important to your philosophy as well, but just choices about how we perceive the world and how we show up for ourselves and for other people. Awesome. Yes. Choices. I mean, it's funny when I was thinking about what we would talk about today, because I was like, we could go like 8,000 different directions. And we might. And we might. (laughs) But but yeah, choices is such a core component of, first of all, choosing what is the philosophy that resonates with, with me, right? Like, what do I believe about the world and how am I going to move through it? But our choices day to day, minute to minute. Um, and as we were, as I was kind of thinking about what this conversation could be about, and it didn't, it didn't take long for me to be like, oh, we need to talk about these things. <laughs> um, I, 
I really feel like so much of what we, Patty and I communicate on a daily basis, I would say. We, At least, we, yeah. <laughs> and so, so often we're helping each other and guiding each other through those questions or the, those choices. Like, well, what, what is this? What does this mean to me? How do I want to show up? How, um, and this past year, I was thinking about how this past year has really been an, an exercise in helping me see those choices even more, like, more, they're more obvious to me. And it's been harder, right, to stay in a good place, I think. But, like, that, that muscle has gotten stronger through this past year. So, like, 2020, 2021, there's been a lot of craziness. But I because of all of that, like I feel like I've gotten stronger in knowing my choice and then being able to exercise that, which led me, as you know, to choose joy as my word for 2021. So we do, I don't know where it came from. I think you brought this to my life. What's the, what's the one word? Piece? Oh, um, I was introduced to it from John Gordon, the author of the energy bus. He okay. has a book called, um, I think it's called one word. And, uh, he, introduced the idea to me years ago and it's been I started off picking really easy sort of safe words that I wanted to have more of but were already a part of me and then when I started really stretching and I think the year I chose worthy as my one word mm. was the year that I realized that creating this focus intentionally could bring me out of my comfort zone in a good way so I was really excited when you picked Joy, so I think you should tell them about your journey with that <laughs> choice, because you, you didn't um, commit to it right away. <laughs> yeah, Joy joy popped into my mind as like, okay, this this is your word, and I initially was like, no, that can't be my word. Like, I don't I don't want that to be my word, <laughs> which, was seem, which seems kind of crazy, right? Like, who wouldn't want more joy in their life? Who wouldn't want, who wouldn't want that to be their word? But it honestly... Like, I could feel it at my core level. Like, you were just saying, like, it's going to take me out of my comfort zone. Um, I could tell it, it scared me a little bit because joy to me is, um, there's a lot of layers to it. It's not just like, oh, the happy, like, ooh, like everything's roses and everything's just like, I know that it's, there's a, um, Gosh, I wish I, I wish I had our conversation from New Year's Eve, like to reference. <laughs> I'm like, what was I talking about with joy? But joy, I know, comes along with deepened emotions on the other end of the scale as well, right? Absolutely. So, is it Brene Brown who talks about like to to open yourself up to experience joy means you also have to open yourself up to experience like the sadness in life like the absolutely and those, and those even the converse places. like we can't just numb the bad feelings without mm -hmm. numbing the good yeah. ones so understanding that feeling the full spectrum is is the goal but there there is some resistance to that mm -hmm. and and whether i always like to say that um you know fear and anxiety are very similar vibrations very similar experiences but it's how we're interpreting them so mm -hmm. you know a lot of performers will feel that feeling before they go on stage and some of them will say that it's stage fright and others will say it's excitement mm -hmm. and so um, just recognizing that resistance and leaning into it and that's so much of the work that we've been doing for the past year is really saying 
you know, what's the story I'm telling myself about this? And I think that that um, in tandem with choices is really important because we do choose the narrative too. Mm -hmm. So watching you embrace joy and understand that, um, you know, the rewards outweigh the risks <laughs> was, right. was really, really powerful because I think so many of us hold ourselves back from allowing ourselves to feel fully because of the unknown. Yeah. But there's a lot of drawbacks to that too. Well, there, and that may, that there's um, a loss of control there. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. Right? Like, like a surrendering to some of that, that roller coaster of like, what could, what could this be? Like, this is going to be, this could be, you know, high highs or low lows or whatever. Like the, the range is going to get wider than I have been comfortable with. Um, that comfort zone <laughs> and that letting go of that control over like, okay, I'm in my, I'm in my little window. Like I know what it feels like, but knowing that it's going to take me outside of that range was a little bit scary to step off of that bridge. Absolutely. And I think so many people can relate to that. And I think that's going to segue great into some of the other things we're going to talk about, but how many people do you know that when you ask them how they are, they say good and they mean good, mm -hmm. but, um, I don't know that many people whose ultimate goal is to just stay there, but there's uh, my, my go-to response when people ask me how I am is fantastic. And this just happened the other day. I walked into a business and I was greeted and they said, how are you? And I was like, I'm fantastic. And the lady was like, do you know what year it is? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I just check my calendar. Um, but that, but that's not that a common response um, when when people do that because uh, first of all our goal when we have those informal greetings is connection mm -hmm. and I, I knew when I said that that the odds of somebody connecting with me on the level of fantastic in 2021 is not really that good but I also knew that I wanted to provide that counter narrative mm -hmm. because um, there's a lot of challenges right now but sort of my life experience has been uh, significant challenges, but finding either the beauty in the challenge or finding the light on the other side of the challenge. And so, um, it's, it's really shaped my worldview, my personality, how I interact with others, but, um, it's definitely an acquired taste for some people. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's often misperceived too, which, yes. which, you know, is one of my biggest challenges. One of my biggest fears is being misunderstood or it was, I've been working on it for a while, but, um, when your worldview, uh, contradicts the popular narrative, you're going to be misunderstood. So I'm learning to embrace that too. <laughs> did, how, how did the rest of that conversation continue? Like, was there any, any more to that or what you were just like, yeah, I know what date it is and you just went on your merry way. Uh, well, she looked sort of dumbfounded and, and she wasn't unhappy for me. I think that it just created some thought for right. her. It was, she was taking my temperature on the way into the business. <laughs> so like her, her job is to right. make sure that people are well before they enter her store. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was, it was good. I mean, we, we had small talk after that, but it didn't develop into anything. Yeah. No, I was just, I was just curious. Yeah. So, so I really, I really love that example though, because I, I have been drawn to, and this was back, this was a few, this was a few months ago that I started noticing this message and I was like, Oh, this is, is this joy as a radical act in this climate where it is so easy to focus on 
the negative. So easy to fall into like, oh, this is, this is bad and this is, you know, worse. And let's, let's commiserate about all the things, you know, we can't do or that are going wrong in this climate to show up in as fantastic, right? To show up joyful, to, to show up grateful and experiencing all of the good it I think it is a, a radical act and it doesn't always feel like it's um like you said like you're kind of counter narrative right so it does it kind of you're you're subversive of the narr- narrative by doing that and wondering if it's even appropriate sometimes right. <laughs> yes but I, I think that that's always been part of it for me um it started out as a survival technique. Like mm-hmm. if I, I would have focused on what was wrong, I don't know that I would have had the strength to be who I am or do the things that I do. So I knew um, going through a lot of challenges that I had to find a way to look at things differently. And one of my favorite quotes, I have to give Tony Robbins credit for this one, but it, it exper- explains my experience perfectly. He always says, what is wrong is always available, but so is what's right. And... Um, you know, the little nerdy brain science on this is that our brains love patterns. So whatever we focus on, we're going to see more of. And once I understood that, I played with it. And that's what I want to encourage people to do. Like, you don't have to be fantastic. You don't have to, um, you know, fake joy. But play with the idea that, um, you know, if you go looking for what's right, you're going to find more of it. Mm -hmm. Like when you get a new car and suddenly that car is everywhere. Right. And it's not that there's that many more cars. It's just that your awareness is shifted. So, um, you know, there's, there's so many beautiful uh, acts of kindness and wonderful examples of unity and compassion that are happening right now, especially more so now than ever, probably, but um, it's hard for people to focus on that. So I want to honor everybody's journey where they're at, but I also want to plant the seeds so that people know that um, it's okay to focus on the good stuff. It might even be necessary if we're going to shift the narrative to something that empowers people for sure which definitely feels better than just staying in staying in this pattern of like oh 2020 <laughs> you know what year it is like 2021 I don't know they're blending together a little bit but um yeah and there's a lot of people out there expecting 2021 to be just as bad or worse than 2020 and they're gonna get what they expect yeah it's it's inevitable. Self-fulfilling prophecy. You can call it whatever you want, but the reality is is that you, uh, you know, to an extent, we do create our reality. And so when a lot of people have, have heard my story, and I'm not going to go too into detail, I always go back and forth on how much of my story to share because I don't want people to get the impression that they have to have multiple complex traumas in order to shift their mindset because I really believe this is a tool that's available to everybody. Mm-hmm. But I spent a lot of time not sharing my story and um, connection is one of my biggest values. So I found that once I started sharing with people where I've been, some of the things I've been through, that they were able to connect with me more. So um, starting when my husband, my now husband, then fiance, was diagnosed with stage four cancer when we were only 22. That was my first year of teaching. <laughs> uh, we were building a house, planning a wedding. He was diagnosed with um, you know, stage four cancer, which is a, a challenging experience. 
and then um, he's well now. I always have to add that part because he uh, he recovered and he did, he's doing really well. But um, that was the first of a series of unfortunate things that involved um, everything from losing students to drug overdoses to my brother being killed by a drunk driver, and um, you know just really struggling with things that were so far out of my control mm -hmm. that um, I started to. Uh, not feel like myself and so that's what caused me to go looking for for options like just because I had these terrible experiences is that going to permanently change who I am and what I found was beautiful and that's what we're talking about here I, I found that um, you know I get to choose the meaning from those things and I also get to um, you know really illustrate the fact that we have these choices like every day I could wake up and I could choose to focus on everything that's happened to me and all the challenges I faced or I could choose to focus on all the amazing beautiful things there's so many amazing people in my life I have a, a wonderful husband our son is nine years old and we weren't even supposed to be able to have children and so and then they told us he wouldn't be a boy so we have a sort of a history of going against the narrative <laughs> um, <laughs> you tell me this no. let me show you yeah, yeah. exactly so um, I don't put a lot of stock in you know other people's opinions because in my experience there it's not a given right. nothing's a given right and I think that it's just it's opinions absolutely and, and they're coming from other people who are also human and fallible and so many of those big, big challenges, the most um, difficult things I've been through have also been the biggest gifts. And it's taken me a really long time to sort that out and to understand it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I did not understand it in the moment. <laughs> but I definitely, first of all, I know I wouldn't be who I am today without those experiences. But I also know that those experiences gave me the perspective that, you know, if I knew a there was going to be an apocalypse tomorrow that I wouldn't change my focus, that I would still choose faith over fear because it's always served me. Mm -hmm. And I know you guys talk about that concept in your podcast a lot, but it's, it's wonderful to, to remember how resilient the human spirit is and to know that, um, you know, there's so many people out there who've been through way worse things than I have. So I always get caught up in this whole, like, you know, First of all, you can't compare traumas, right? right. <laughs> and I, I don't want to. I don't want to minimize what I've been through, and I also don't want other people to think that they have to experience tra trauma or tragedy to grow. Um, so that's why in my work, I love to just acknowledge the fact that we don't know each other's stories, but honor everybody where they're at in their story, mm -hmm. and just ask them, you know, what the next good feeling could look like. And I think that those little moments stack until you get to that place of joy. Yeah. Okay, I want to I want to come back to that, but the those little moments I keep on thinking. I had a conversation with a mutual friend of ours, Allison Scoff, the other day. Of her. <laughs> and she we were talking a little bit about joy and she was saying what she finds helps her is to focus on the little things. Like realizing joy doesn't have to be the giant things like you were just saying like with trauma we don't have to have experienced these like huge events to find joy that she we were sitting at a coffee shop and she looked out she's like even just looking at the the ruffle of the leaves on this tree blowing in the in the wind like how beautiful is that like I can find joy in that 
And what are the little things we can look around and just allow them to spark those moments of joy. It doesn't have to be like, oh my gosh, everything is perfect. It's like, oh, what is this? What is this one little piece? And I feel like that gets into where do you start? Like in a, in the, no matter where anyone is at in their journey, how can they start to make those choices? And I think they're often easier and smaller than people think. And joy is a big word, right? Joy, can, well, I think <laughs> for it you, can be, all right, for me, it felt like a big word, but realizing that it can be small and little and um, does not have to like stick around constantly to, to be incredible. I don't know. I, I think, think that, that, was... that we should emphasize that. And that's a lot in Brene Brown's work too. Joy is not intended to be a permanent state. Right. You can't appreciate joy if you don't have contrast, mm -hmm. right? So um, it's always been the little things for me. I am so blessed, you know, for every tragedy I've experienced. I've experienced things that most people will never do in, in many lifetimes. So I don't discount the big things, but I will tell you that um, it's the sustainable little things that make a difference. And when I was the most stressed out, when I did not have these tools or this perspective, it was because I was constantly focused on what happened in the past or worried about what was going to happen in the future. And I could not find joy from either of those places. Um, and that's uh, something as simple as breathing brings so much joy to me because of the fact that you can't breathe in the past and you can't breathe in the future. So, so much of this is about being in the present moment. And for years I was terrified of the present moment because I didn't know it was that control piece. So I always joke around that I'm in recovery from people pleasing, perfectionism, control, <laughs> and uh, codependency, to name a few. And the, the beautiful part of recovery though is that it is a practice. You know, mm -hmm. there are still days that I want to control things. There are still days where I, I think things should be perfect or could be perfect. But uh, that's such a low standard because it doesn't exist. Right. And so I find perfection in those little moments and joy. Like right now, uh, there's a beautiful flurry of snow uh, that is, is bringing me joy. One of the gifts that I give all my students, no matter how old they are, if they're five or 85, is Play-Doh. Um, just something simple to help us be present and to um, shift, to interrupt the pattern, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, when a random stranger hands you a thing of Play-Doh in the store, <laughs> it, it makes you think, right? Yeah. But um, I, something is Do you go around thing. handing out Play-Doh to random strangers? I hand out Play-Doh to um, but I also hand it out to all my students, and they that's one of the things I hear back from them. Uh, they'll send me pictures from their college dorm rooms with Play-Doh, Play and um, it's there's so many reasons. I mean, it's also a good stimulation for the, all of your senses, mm -hmm. but it's, it is those little things. What are some of your favorite little things that, that bring you joy? I mean, you mentioned the, the breeze with Allison, but um, I think that if we could illustrate this... Uh, yeah, like the tangible. So, so a lot of times for me, I find um, taking a moment to to write, to write, um, to sort of shift that perspective. Like whether it's making a gratitude list, or we've learned from Abraham Hicks, right? Like the rampage of appreciation. If I can't write, like it's okay. Let me start myself on an, another train of thought. Like what? How, what are the little things in this moment? Like is it? 
Um, I find like my hot shower ends up being really something that I appreciate quite a bit. I'm like, oh, I put coffee on my list a lot. Isn't it great that like I have hot water right now? Like this didn't happen for most of human history. Like that we could have hot water raining down on us whenever we <laughs> like for you sure. know those little yeah. things. Um, my children are a big help in the little things and joy. I never um, would have discovered joy. I, my I give my son credit for helping me to be present. Mm-hmm. It was looking through life and experiences through the lens of a toddler that reminded me or showed me what I was missing. Yeah. And you don't need a toddler to do this, but, um, you know, really slowing down and noticing is, is such a great way. Um, and being intentional about what you're noticing. Because so many people right now, and I've fallen into this trap, we could slow down and notice all the things that are wrong, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's our choice. And I always ask my students this when we talk about choosing our focus. I, I ask teenagers on a regular basis, do you choose what you focus on? And so many of them will tell me no. And then, of course, the follow-up question is, if you're not choosing it, who is? Mm-hmm. And that allows them to own the fact that that element of choice exists. But I think for so many of us, um, we let that stream of consciousness just go and think that it's running itself right yeah so noticing is always the first step right (laughs) for sure yeah noticing when I need like oh okay how am I feeling here like maybe I need to take a step outside maybe I need to take a couple deep breaths I getting outside is nature (laughs) nature is such a huge um source of joy um but yeah that noticing is is big this week I you know I was um realizing I needed to create more space for it. And so there were entire mornings or afternoons where I'm like, okay, we're, I'm just, we're going to see what, we're going to see what the kids and I do. Like we're going to, I blocked off more time than I thought was necessary for the different activities that we would do and just, and just allowed it to be free and more fun. Um, but sometimes, you know, creating that space for it is, a choice as well like okay if I don't fill up all of this time with you know I can I can move some things around I can change around my schedule I'm blessed to have the flexibility to do that I realize which is another source of joy um, but you know I think we can all find space if I don't scroll on my phone for a half an hour but spend that half an hour being present with my kids or sipping a cup of tea or taking a walk that's a choice that I can easily make and it's that intention too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my even scrolling. Let's talk about that for a second. Scrolling can be a source of joy if you cultivate your feed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I obviously in moderation, everything in moderation, right? Uh, we still have to get the things done, but um, I what's Bernie's mittens brought me a lot of joy. <laughs> <laughs> scrolling my feed that day was was put me in a beautiful state. Yeah. And um, speaking of state, let's talk about that a little bit. I, I love your podcast and your philosophy because it brings the, the physiology into it. Mm-hmm. And for so long, I, my mental game has always been really strong, out of necessity probably. But understanding what I do with my body and, and how I nourish myself and the link between that and joy. Um, is, I don't think we can have this conversation without realizing that how, what we do with our body puts us in an emotional state 
So if, if we're not taking good care of ourselves or if we're holding ourselves in a low energy state by slumping or um, you know, slouching or whatever, um, will make a big difference. So even doing a power pose, right? So mm -hmm. standing up, pretending that you're Wonder Woman or Superman, it sounds kind of silly, but I challenge people to do it because you can feel it. So, um, you know, if you find yourself reaching for joy, maybe it's as simple as, you know, eating something that's fresh or changing how you're holding yourself. Uh, I love that it can be simple because for so long I overcomplicated it. And I, the story I was telling myself is that it has to be hard. If, if nobody's doing it, it must be hard. Mm -hmm. And that was not an accurate story at all. <laughs> um, that makes me think a little bit about, um, so like if no one's doing it, it must be hard. I think that my own misconception, and you touched upon it before, is that basically we arrive there and then everything is... Oh yeah. Every, everything is is you rainbows know, and unicorns. Rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> whatever it is that we imagine, like it's a, it's a moment of arrival, as opposed to being a practice. And I think that's why there's not a lot of people doing it. We all think, well, not we all, but I know many people, many people um, including myself, for a long time, thought like, well, I have to strive and strive and strive, and then it'll happen one day, or I'll figure. It's something I haven't figured out yet, or I have to get to this point before joy is possible, or before this is possible. And realizing that it can happen now, but it's a like it's a practice. We, it's not something. Making these choices isn't something that just poof one day we don't have to make these choices anymore. Like, yeah. life is full of ups and downs and curveballs and um, things that then are going to challenge us. And it's our choice in every moment that is the practice, that is what shapes us, what creates those that growth. Um, and that it's not going to be for like, oh, I'm going to get to this spot and then I don't have to think about this ever again. Like, right, but I, I love to talk about the default setting, right? Mm -hmm. So let's, uh, a little bit of nerdy brain science here, but also um, just acknowledging, like we all know people who um, their default setting is worry, right? So yes. if something is happening, um, even they could be on a beautiful beach and have, you know, no worries and uh, no visible worries, but their default is still gonna be to worry. So, that is, is one default setting. I'm gonna go with extremes here because there's obviously a full spectrum, but uh, some people's default is to worry. Some people's default is, uh, you, could, you could think of somebody that you know that the whole world could be, you know, crashing around them and they'll just be like, it's all good, no worries. Like, um, <laughs> and a lot of people think that people are just born that way. And there is, you know, we can get into nature versus nurture and I know that's gonna come up in future podcasts, I'm sure. But the reality is, is that we can change that default setting if we're aware of it. So for the majority of my life, my default setting was worry. Um, I suffered from significant anxiety and panic and um, it was the little things that, that turned it around for me. So since addiction runs really deep in my family on both sides, um, I chose to go a more natural route with my recovery and it has been work, <laughs> but it's been the most beautiful work and I wouldn't change it for anything in the world because the more you practice these little things, the more you build that muscle. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like going to the gym, right? So uh, I was able to 
practice deep breathing regularly enough that my default in my nervous system became deep breaths instead of shallow chest breathing, which is where I was at for the first 30 years. Once I realized that I could shift myself by doing little things consistently, instead of having to do these grand gestures, um, you know, the grand gestures are awesome. I love going to retreats. I love immersion workshops. I am a personal development junkie, but of all of the amazing things that I've done, it's been the daily practices that have created that new default. So now it's not that I don't experience stress or despair or any of those things. It's that when I experience them, I can shift it more quickly, which is right. So the more we practice something, it becomes just part of our our everyday life and then it's more accessible. We realize that it's not this one time, oh, aha moment. It's like, it's that's the work. It's the continual peeling the onion. <laughs> I know we, I love a good aha all, moment, but. Uh... <laughs> How many times have we had that conversation? We're like, darn it, I thought that I, I thought that I already like did this, you know? And it's like, oh, okay, I have to, I'm gonna dig in a little bit deeper this time. I'm gonna continue to, to do that practice. And, and then, and then it starts like, I don't know how to describe it. Like then it starts to become not those, those, things that challenge us, we get to move on to the next thing as we continue to grow. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that's where so much of the misperception comes in with the fact that, you know, there are just some people that are happy and there are some people who are not, or there are just some people who are lucky. Mm. Um, that's, a, that's a bit of a trigger for me because um, people who don't know my story or haven't seen the work that I do on a daily basis, it's really easy to make assumptions, especially if it seems so far from where you are. Yeah. Um, so honoring where other people are at, well, standing firm in my uh, clarification that that there's choice involved and work. But I don't I don't want to scare anybody off because I think some people hear about these like onions that have many layers or all the work and and that deters them. So. I really want to talk about the fact that the work can be where the joy is. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I even hesitate to use the word work because most of the time to me it feels like play. Right. And a lot of that is my perception, but a lot of it is true. I mean, um, for so long I was striving to get to that destination that you referred to earlier. Like once I get there, then I can relax or then I can be happy. And um, I don't... I no longer want to get there if it even exists. Right. Because in that striving, I was missing so much joy. <laughs> yeah. Or back to the present, the present moment, right? How much good there can there be in this, in this moment right now? Yes. Right here. And I missed some of those moments, many of those moments, wondering what was going on elsewhere or what I should be doing or what I was going to do next. And that constant striving robbed me of joy. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, my challenge for everybody who's listening to this is to celebrate something that you're already doing. Oh my gosh. Okay. So celebrate is like another one of those (laughs) words that I'm like, really need to work on that this year, but not work in like the bad way, but like who doesn't want to celebrate more? Right. Just but allow I, it. And allowing. Yeah. Intend yeah. for it. <laughs> yes. Intel, intending that celebration and in the little things, like how much fun is it to celebrate 
throughout the day instead of making it have to be a big yeah when I get there I'll celebrate right like no let's celebrate now let's exactly. do it now and and it anchors it in so the the beauty of celebration it, there's brain science behind that too and when you allow yourself to celebrate or acknowledge something that you've done or accomplished the likelihood that you're going to keep doing it is exponential mm -hmm. so when we don't celebrate it we don't acknowledge it then you know our brain sort of files it under that wasn't worth it <laughs> mm, right so what are those things that are worth it that you want to celebrate like just love the idea of and celebrating for other people too celebrations hard for ourselves we're not wired I don't think a lot of people misperceive it and feel that if they celebrate themselves that it's um, being full of themselves or overconfident or something like that so start small celebrate somebody else and then you know or get together with a friend like we're doing now and just celebrate each other because that that's a wonderful place to start and that brings joy too because we all want to feel connection and appreciation so so find a person um and play <laughs> and i think celebrating just like you mentioned before when we start noticing something it brings more of that something so if we start being intentional with i want to celebrate more you're looking for more things to celebrate more things to celebrate show up and it it snowballs into this fantastic effect of of living your day to day in that state like how how good does that feel yeah, the momentum. Momentum works in both ways. I'm sure everybody listening to this has felt the momentum go the other way. When you Oof. wake up in the morning and you say, uh, you know, you're running late, your alarm didn't go off, you get toothpaste on your shirt, you can't find your shoes, you need to get gas, like all these things, and you affirm to yourself, today's going to be a rough day, your brain's like, I got you, and it will go looking for all the rest of the things to go wrong. Mm -hmm. So um, reversing that has been probably some of the biggest joy in my life. <laughs> And believe me, everyone who's listening, I know I, I still have those moments. I still have those days. But what, what happens, I think, the more we practice this is we get, we're aware of it sooner, we catch it sooner, and then we can change our thoughts around it sooner and reverse that trend. So those things that maybe used to throw me at, like I could be days or you know something, something happens and you're just like days or weeks in a slump. Now, I, I'm at the point where usually those things are much quicker. You know, we're talking hours or minutes in, in that trend where I go, oh, wait a second, I'm familiar with this. I know what's happening. Turn it in and, and I get to, it's all about our thoughts. It's all about knowing um, what, what we're choosing. Absolutely. <laughs> what are we choosing? What are we choosing to focus on? Am I choosing faith? Am I choosing fear? Is this a story that I, that I want to continue to follow or do I need to write a new one? And that can be as little as, oh, here's a good one. Okay. So this one might be taking it like, this was something recent to me. Um, okay. Vibration. We're all vibration, right? At, at the heart of all of this, everything is vibration. And we might be going off into a little tangent here, but this makes me like really, um, happy to think about. So when we are at a high vibration, we affect other things by our vibration. One of those things that can happen is we start to affect maybe uh, technology or let's say um, electricity, like light bulbs, right? So I used to think 
if I walked into a room and like I turn on the light and the light bulb blows out, I'd be like, oh gosh, like now I have to change a light bulb. And now I say, whew, I'm glad I'm vibrating so high today. Look at me, I'm affecting electricity. Like I'm like, I make it something I'm celebrating because I'm like, whew, I'm, my vibration must be up there today. I'm doing, I, I'm just doing awesome. Like, and so instead of being annoyed, so that's like kind of a crazy but fun example of the story that we tell ourselves and how much more fun is it to celebrate my vibration versus, oh, now I have to change another light bulb. Now, you know, what else could go wrong today? Like how, like what, you know, Absolutely. so that's the, the stories are the fun part. I mean, I know mm -hmm. I'm a writer, but, um, rewriting it, like, why, why am I focusing on this when there's all of this other stuff I could be focusing on? And, and honoring it. You don't have to, it doesn't need to be artificial. Like, mm -hmm. it's okay. We all have bad days. And uh, just allowing the joy. I, I want to circle back to that a little bit because we talked about it earlier. But I think that there are a lot of people right now resisting joy because it may feel incongruent or mm -hmm. they maybe even guilt. Like, who am I to feel joy in this moment where there are so many others suffering? Yes. So what would you say to someone who is seeking, they want to feel good, but it doesn't feel right by our standards? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I think I would start by asking, what good does it do the world for you to bring your light energy whatever you want to call it. you know, like what good does it do the world for you to come down to the level of suffering versus standing in that joy, that light, that power and helping others see what's possible. Couldn't have said that any better myself. I just think it's so important for us, especially as we wrap up to, to bring it to that place because, um, you know, one of the things that I've been working on, Tara knows this, and I am sure many of you could relate, is that idea of playing small so that other people don't feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But right now, I think so many of us need to see those examples of joy and positive stories and things going well and feeling good. And resilience. And you just, you shared a story with me before we before we started recording about a group of teachers that you were with. And I feel like that's a really great example, right? Do you want to share that about Absolutely. how the, I mean, once they realized they were reminded, I guess not even realized they were reminded of what's possible in the human spirit. Yes. It that's... shifted the whole conversation. Absolutely. So, um, one of my passions and part of my job is to help people better understand emotional trauma. And so, um, as I was explaining this collective trauma that we're all experiencing in 2020, 2021, whether you're looking at it from the lens of, uh, COVID-19 or race or politics or economics, there's, there's this, uh, you know, blatant emotional trauma that is, is happening to the majority of people. Um, it's a disruption. It's absolutely. a disruption. So, and that's, that's yeah. what a trauma is, is just when, you know, things shift radically, mm -hmm. um, 
and it it affects everybody differently, but we can still acknowledge and you know say what it is. And so, so many people are familiar with this idea of post-traumatic stress. So when a tragedy happens after after September 11th, after Sandy Hook, after you know you know you could think of a million examples of of these mass traumas where people are like, oh man, th those people are going to be messed up forever. Like anybody that experienced that firsthand is basically they're just going to suffer. But what the the truth is, even after genocide, we've we've learned this, uh, Victor Frankl's work. I love Man's Search for Meaning. But um, understanding that the human spirit is resilient, so you can go back and look at all those tragedies, and I guarantee that it's going to happen now. From all of this too, is that the the beauty and the growth that's going to come from it is going to rival any negative impact because we're wired for resilience. Mm -hmm. But we need to own that acknowledge it and, and allow it because um, we can get caught up in either story. Uh, Post-traumatic stress is very real. I've experienced it firsthand. I work with many people who, who suffer from the challenges that come from experiencing trauma, but uh, the beauty of post-traumatic growth and just knowing that um, when you allow yourself to heal and grow and, and tell that new story, that it opens up this potential and limitlessness and joy. That's, you know, it's so easy to live in the moment when you fully understand just how precious the moments are. Shells. So the group of teachers that, that you were with, they were, where were they focused initially? I think teachers in general or people, people in general are, are just focused in survival right now. And yeah. I honor that. And, and there's, we're wired for survival too. I don't want to discount that. Mm -hmm. um, but just knowing that the, the students are facing so many challenges, the teachers are facing so many challenges, that um, everything is, to use the word of the year, obviously unprecedented. But there's beauty in unprecedentedness too. Is that the right word? But uh, if something's <laughs> it can be. If, some, word. if something is unprecedented, then we get to create the precedent. Right. So why, when people heard it's unprecedented, was it automatically like, this isn't going to be good? Were things that awesome to start with? Maybe for some people they were. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, always, I always love to just think about the potential of where, how does it get even better than this? Right. What's the opportunity here? What could it look like? What do I want it to look like? Mm -hmm. There's... Um... In Napoleon Hill, I don't know why I can never remember the name of the book. Outwitting the Devil. Outwitting the Devil. Thank you. to it yesterday. <laughs> he talks about the, he talks about fail, he's talking about failure, but failure is never failure unless we accept it as such. And label it that. And label it that. <laughs> and instead what he said, what it does is it breaks the hypnotic rhythm. So, you know, as a society, we were, we were in, we were doing what we did, you know, going through the motions, going day to day, things like that. And this all came along in like huge disruption, definitely traumatic in, in its, in how it affected everyone, but it broke our rhythm. And when we break that rhythm, all of a sudden we can open our eyes and look around and say, wait a second, is this... Do I, do I want to go back to that? Or are there better ways to do it? What's the new plan? How could I show up differently? 
it works on the collective in that large sense as much as it works in our personal day-to-day lives. When we break that rhythm and have those changes, it allows us to examine those things. And then we can move from there. And that, I think, is where, in my understanding, where that growth can come from. Absolutely. And the growth comes from the perspective, the experience, the empathy. Mm -hmm. Like, we are all in this together. So holding space for one another and, and that encouragement, celebrating. I can't, so many of the people that I've talked to, even with massive struggles recently, have had at least one thing there. They were like, you know, but if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't fill in the blank. I wouldn't have as much time with my kids. I wouldn't have gotten this puppy. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, read this book. I wouldn't have taken this online course. I wouldn't have, you know, had a chance to talk really connect with people, um, which sounds interesting with social distancing and not seeing people, but think about that too, you know, when you realize that you can only talk to somebody for a fixed amount of time through, you know, technology, you're not going to be on your phone, you're not going to be distracted, you're going to show up and and be with that person, and would that have happened if if they were sitting across from you? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. A lot, a lot of variables there, but a lot we can... A lot of joy. Yeah. Which sort of brings us back full circle. (laughs) And how joy can be that radical act, right? Showing up as joy, showing up in those ways, and being that light to show what's possible. Showing up as fantastic as you walk in the store. Absolutely. And understanding that there's no judgment in that. Right. You know? You could be fantastic even when others aren't because it's not a competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You don't have to, you're not them. You don't have to be. <laughs> Absolutely. You can be in that state. Um, you know, maybe we'll have to do a sequel to this about the culture of comparison because that's something oh. that definitely robs people of their joy. Yes. I think we probably could have multiple sequels. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Any last words, last thoughts on... No, just uh, gratitude, too. The, the role of gratitude and joy, gratitude and appreciation. Um, I think that whenever I get away from joy or, or um, don't do the work or practice it on a daily basis, first of all, it doesn't feel good, but the, the fastest, easiest way to get back to that is just um, to start small. And we covered that so beautifully. So I, I kind of want to leave everybody with a challenge to, to find three things today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't be like, okay, that sounded good. I'm going to go be joyful. So I like to never leave the scene of an understanding without taking some action. So perfect. <laughs> Great advice. Give them some, so. some, an action step to take just because this is something you have to feel. Um, and you and I have been there a million times knowing something and feeling it and practicing it. Yeah. Not the same thing. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, before you go on your merry way, um, two questions for you. One, where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you're about, what you're doing, connect with you? I am. I show up the most on social media, so you can find me at Patty McLean. And I also have a website, which is www.thepattymclean.com. Awesome. And what are you... What are you reading right now? What's on your What's funny, top I of your list? I told you that I was revisiting Outwitting the Devil yesterday. Um, 
but Tara actually inspired this. I tend to read lots and lots of books, but I have committed to really studying some books that I've, I've read before. So um, Napoleon Hill's at the top of the list. I keep jumping back and forth between thinking Grow Rich and Outwitting the Devil, but I have also really been enjoying uh, some children's books <laughs> and the simplicity in there. Finding joy in children's books is another good thing, but um, yeah. And The Alter Ego Effect is the new book I'm reading right now. Oh, I have not heard of that. I'll have to go check yeah. it out. Thank you so much for coming and being here and sharing your light and joy with the world. Well, Thank you. our audience. <laughs> Maybe not quite the world yet, but we'll get there. Oh, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. We'll Thank see you. you next time. Hi, friends. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share with others. A movement is not a movement without people. At the very least, we hope that we bring ideas that make us think and ponder and just question our assumptions. And at the most, we hope we empower others to create their lives living above, down, inside out. Thank you as always for listening and we'll see you next time.